You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1, O-U-T-D-O-O-R, and the number one. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The Southern Ground Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Spartan Forge. It's forged in combat and tailored for hunters. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can start your free 14-day trial today by visiting SpartanForge.ai and you can use the code SOUTHERNGROUND, that's all lowercase, all one word, SOUTHERNGROUND at checkout, and that'll get you 25% off of your purchase. If you're wanting to know more about saddle hunting, well check out TetheredNation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you'd like to support the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. We offer two different tiers for our patrons that offer a solid list of benefits. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting. And now, let's get to the show. Hey guys, last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. We've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women and by hunters and anglers just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And as you earn points, you start to unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free stuff, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. All right. Well, it's deer season. Well, it's not deer season. For some people in Alabama, it may be deer season, I don't know. But for certainly nobody at this table is it deer season. But it is time to start thinking about deer. Uh, even though me and Jamie have had a hard time, I feel like, getting off turkeys this year. We've talked about it pretty much all evening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I've been scouting at the same time. Yep, yeah. yep. So we got some fan favorites here. we got Mr. Michael Perry and Mr. Jamie McKay here to help us kick off deer season with me and Luke. Um, oh, yeah. Decided to do this podcast in person. Um, if they could only see their, their Mike's trophy room. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be blown away. Do you know how many mounts you have in here? Have you counted them? I can't never remember, but there's... Uh, 13... 18, A bunch. 20-something. <laughs> <laughs> Lots. Yeah. Uh, keeping, keeping a roof over Luke's head. Uh-huh. And uh, for Especially many, with for his many rain. years. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about him paying your bills. Yeah. Oh, dude, bills. hey, we made a joke about that one. Yeah, if, they, if people that, that don't know, Dad does a, almost all of Mike's tax sermon and yeah. Kathy. And, yeah, we were totaling, totaling that up a few weeks ago. Did you? Y'all figured it up? 
Uh, remember we were. I ain't saying nothing. Oh, just just guess. Uh, you said idea. close to forty grand <laughs> oh in <God>. mounts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt. Yeah. Oh man, that, that might be a little on the light side, but yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. That hurts. Oh yeah, Dad always makes a joke. No, it that, don't hurt. That's fantastic. No, yeah, he's always that, making no, a joke. Hey, it's your money. Hey, you pay him a lot, Bill. Oh, <laughs> it's true. It's, it's I memories mean, and success. So it's and, and heck, I'll mount them. So and it's a room we can all come hang out yeah, in. Yeah, I can remember all the stories and share and talk stories. Man, that's amazing. So it just is blessed cool. to be able to do it. So I'm gonna I'll mount them, boy. You know what else would be an interesting tally? Uh, if you knew how much it cost, like, oh, hunting for each trip, plus <laughs> oh, the taxidermy, yeah. like everything that you have in this room, what it's, Those this might be the most expensive room in, in the county. Uh, I don't know about that, but it's, it's, it's more than you would think. Cause <laughs> I've, we had a discussion about that at work one day and I run some numbers through my head and it's more than you would imagine. So. What do you just just guess? I don't I, I, I don't know. I don't know what you pay to do the bear hunts and stuff like that. I don't have a way of figuring it. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's is it in the millions? You think it's, it'd have to be over a million, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> well, I best get saving, boys. <laughs> well, you got to think about what you do to do these hunts. You know, uh -huh. if you start kind of figuring a little bit of gas as far as mileage, how many hunts we do a year as far as deer hunt stuff, you just kind of round it out and. Your equipment, shells, whatever it's. A, yeah, I mean, and these I days said, it's not cheap. I mean, you think about each arrow. Yeah. How much each arrow costs? Yeah, arrow, an arrow to kill a deer is what thirty something bucks right now, just for one it, arrow. I mean, not if you know people. I got a deal <laughs> on two dozen. Well, you think about this. Think about if you're if you're going all out, right? Using a lighted knock. That's yeah. I don't use that. But expensive. Right. You've got a lighted knock. You've got probably some type of custom veins on it mm -hmm. you got the shaft itself then you've got uh inserts mm -hmm. then you got a broadhead and broadheads these days are yeah. i mean you start looking expensive. looking at those fixed blade single bevel things you what uh what, what's the what's the is it not day six what's the what's the oh my gosh why am i i'm having a brain fart but it's like the day six broadheads I know what you're talking they about. They kind of look I don't like them. The Why am I? This is going to come to me, and somebody's listening to this thing, and you're an idiot. Uh, but I mean, you're, they're like 109 bucks for three of them. Really? Yeah. Golly. I can't even think of what they're I called. I ain't slinging but. that. <laughs> Hurt your feelings. See one run off yeah. with this, didn't it? <clears throat> you think hey, about that? I mean, that's unreal. What's them turkey shells? A hundred dollars? How many? Huh? <laughs> I don't want to talk about turkey <laughs> shells, man. The TSS, them things. What? Hundred dollars for what? Five or something? <laughs> By the box of ten, I think. Oh, is it? On that man in the box. Okay. I think twenty gauge. You can pick those up about forty for five. <laughs> Not anymore. On TSS. Yeah. Well, T I know where some's at. Okay, that. so you so you, you got to be good. But it was number seven. You got a guy. It's not a not a mixture. You got a guy. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. You got a guy in Juarez, Mexico, dealing you TSS <laughs> shells. <laughs> uh, oh, this is local. <laughs> Uh, I'm no, glad my wife ain't gonna listen to none of this. We talking about dollar amounts <laughs> on equipment. Man, it's it gets real too once you get this time of the season and you're like thinking about different plans. Gas is eighteen dollars a gallon right now, so you're thinking about different yeah. trips and going back and just just going back and forth from my house to place I hunt locally. I mean. Yeah, it's unreal. Yeah, I was wanting to go to Old Mogi today to to move a camera, and I looked at the weather and it was iffy. And I was like, I'm gonna drive no two and a half hours one way to burn that gas to, to, for a lightning storm, and I can't get out there, so we'll have to wait. So uh, he's lying. He just didn't want to go because I can't go. <laughs> what? You want to go tomorrow? I got work. <laughs> hey, speaking of speaking of this, who? Uh, I heard y'all had a competition. Um, a, a trad boat competition. Uh, long oh yeah, competition. me and Mike. Yeah, we had a. Go ahead, go ahead. Say what you want to say. I know you already want to say it. We shot four arrows. What happened? At a uh, hog at 15 yards. Was it best two out of like? Or we I just shot two arrows a piece. Okay. What happened? Uh, so he's supposed to be putting his well, video up, and no, he, he, he's been postponing it. And I am. No, around, I am. No, it was just it uh, was uh, us shooting two longbows that my dad actually made from the same piece of wood. 
and we were talking about this year trying to shoot him trying to shoot one with his me trying to shoot deer with mine and we uh, ended up shooting four arrows let's just say I would have wounded the animal and Mike would have would have finished it off that's fair <laughs> that's fair in the video, uh, he says, "Dadgum!" So, so Mike won. No, he says, "Dadgum, you're a rear end shooter." <laughs> yeah, Mike. Mike beat me out on that one. Oh man! You talking about Luke being a rear end shooter? He was a rear end shooter. Did I ever tell you about the time I let him go to my hunting club with me a couple years back? Oh, dear no, God, what is say, this? Uh, Rose Luke, <laughs> Rose Luke session. I've not heard this story. Look, yeah, you've been keeping Parker, secrets from me. Look, no, listen, man. Parker invited me to hunt on his hunting club. This, I mean, this was a while back. This was. This was seven, last year. Seven Parker years Hunt's ago. Last year. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, this funny. was, what, probably five years ago? It was more than that. Anyway, he invited me on a hunt club. Deer came out. It was running. I took a shot at it and shot it right in the butt. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, okay. to be fair, I'm shooting a 308. So I'm thinking, this Don't thing's. Don't knocking a 308 down. No, no, I'm not. That's okay. what I hunt with. I'm so I'm okay. I was thinking, this thing's going to knock this deer down. No problem. In the butt? Does that usually work out? Well, I mean, there are that artery is is towards the back. I just didn't aim far enough forward. Golly! <laughs> so, yeah, I found hair and all sorts of stuff, and, and never found the deer. I felt so bad. And so then did I, the deer. Yeah. yeah. Then I felt yeah, then I felt deer. bad because I had to tell Parker that I wanted a dang deer. He invited me to hunt. So, like, so where'd you hit it at? I think it was the butt. <laughs> And the only reason I knew that is because I was I was leading it as it was running across and and yeah. Well, so if I do that, then now I know you're actually aiming to butter that hog we were shooting at the other day. Thank so you. Luke may have actually won the competition. Might have. We, I mean, I, we didn't clarify what which end we were shooting. If at. I hit that artery, then, you know, that's dead. So you guys are uh, kind of going out on a on a new venture together. Oh yeah. We've talked yep. about it a little bit, but I don't know that we've necessarily talked about it since. Uh, Michael came alongside. So why don't you explain that, Luke? Tell yeah, us about so everything y'all got going on. About, uh, let's see, last October, I, I've been, I, I may have told Parker this, sheesh, year and a half ago, two years ago, I wanted to start something on YouTube. Um, I've always been outdoorsman, love the outdoors, and I, I was actually encouraged when Parker started his stuff and wanted to kind of do something on my own. And so I started That's Wild Hunting on YouTube. And I've known Michael and Kathy since she since I was a kid. He's been paying you. He's been paying he's been those bills a long since time. Since diaper, been bought many a diaper for you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's been feeding me ever since. And uh, man, I've I've always looked up to Michael, and I mean his his uh, skills when it comes to being outdoorsman is just it's unmatched. And so. Um, I, I started the channel about last October, um, September, somewhere in there. And anyway, anyway, Mike and I ended up talking earlier this year about him com coming on with the, the, the channel. And I was, I mean, I was all for it because I'm learning and he's going to be able to bring stuff to to the channel that I'm not going to be able to bring and, you know, vice like, versa. Like so. state record bucks. State record like bucks, that. yep. <laughs> shooting, shooting longbow better than I can and all that good stuff. Uh, but, no, I'm excited. Yeah, the channel's called That's Wild Hunting. If you haven't yet, check it out on YouTube. We've got um, some videos rolling up, and we've got some cool ideas coming up. So yeah. we're fairly new. We're learning. But we're excited. Yeah. You got anything to add, Mike? Well, I'm excited to be in it. I've had people ask me about, you know, I've done some articles over the years and stuff like that, and I've, this is going to be a great way to try to, to put a little of my knowledge or some things I've learned over the years the hard way to, to get out maybe help some other hunters out. But And uh, I'm not technologically advanced or as good like Luke and him are, so he's, gonna, he's a prime person for us to get involved together and get something going, and we're uh, looking for good things. So. Yeah, and I told him, you know, we're, we're already doing what we love. Right. And so we're just gonna we're gonna let people see what we're what we're already doing. So we're excited. Yeah. It's gonna be cool. I can't wait to see. I hope you're carrying a camera this year. I really do. I'd love to. I'd love to see. I think I, I think more than anything, what in questions you probably get asked a lot, um, and this would go for both you and Jamie. I would love to see, like, to visualize some of the places that you're finding success in not not necessarily 
the exact spot. I don't, I'm not saying I want to yeah. know the spots where you're killing deer at. I want to see the a visual representation a lot of it, which I've been able to see a lot through a lot of y'all's videos. Um, because I think just audio, which you and I have talked a lot. We've all talked a lot about different things. You talk about bluff gaps a lot and things like that. And so you can kind of mentally visualize that, but actually being able to physically look at some of the stuff, I think is going to be right. really cool. And people seem to have really enjoyed a lot of the scouting stuff that you guys are Yeah, we've heard a, a lot of great out. feedback. And if you've watched, we appreciate you guys watching. Yes. Um, yeah, it's been it's been super cool. Yeah. It's a learning process for me, but it's, it's awesome. But the technology nowadays, even everything now is, is so much better than when I started, you know, it's, like, it's crazy. You know, the new stands and all that. I remember making our own stand to climb up, you know, had to pull ourselves up hugging the tree and because we just didn't have stuff like that or it was even available. So, and pull a bucket up to sit on a bucket with no harness or anything with the food in it because now what, all this stuff, you've got so light, you know, you've got different saddles and lock on 14 kind oh, yeah. of climbers. I mean, I mean everything just- The gear is- Yeah, let alone podcast, YouTube, you know, if you could read Outdoor Life back then, you was lucky, and it, most of it was Midwest hunting. You know, didn't nobody care about Alabama hunting, so you had to learn it all on your own. So nowadays, it's it's amazing the stuff you got. It's available for you to try to learn and look at and watch and listen. So, now Jamie, did you did you swap to a saddle this past season? No, you didn't. <clears throat> Have you? Way that old back felt about November, <laughs> boy. I needed to. Boy, I suffered. <laughs> and are you switching anything up this year, Mike? Mm, no. Uh, not climbers or anything wise. I, I, I use lock ons and climbers, so the saddle, I'm just too old in the game to be trying that. It's a little risky for me, but I like the, uh, I went to a, that Lone Wolf thing I had in Birmingham, and them light sticks and the different kind of lock ons they have with some neat, you know, some neat gear. That's, that that interests me a lot, that to. stuff. So That's why I was curious. I, I knew you had gone over there, and I hated I had to shoot a wedding this weekend. I wasn't able yeah. to go. Uh, but I, I really like the dudes from yeah. Custom Gear and uh, I've used their sticks, their double step sticks. Or double step sticks. Or double step sticks yeah. are nice. <laughs> They're yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's and a good stick. And the stand, it's not my style. I I like the saddle. I don't want to switch out of the saddle. Yeah. But if I were looking for a, a hang on, yeah. that's you a good nice hang on. And the lock on is a, you can get more hidden to me with a lock on if you can get up in a beech tree or something like that. You can get up in amongst them limbs. And there's, there's ways to hide better than a lock on versus a climber, but at times. So. I'm all about either one of them. So, but the only thing I'm waiting on is, a, is my suppressor stuff. Um, Kathy's got one. I've been waiting on one for maybe 14 months on my paperwork, and it's that's, got, that's, that's grinding on me because I like to be prepared ahead of time. I'm already shooting bow and all that stuff, and that's grinding on me waiting on that. They got a new system where you can get them like three or four months, and that's working mm -hmm. so far. But I've done mine last April, so before the system. So, yeah, before the system. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kathy's got one. And uh, we talked about this last year about new gear was going to drive in. Uh -huh. Like Kathy got suppressor on a 308, and that is amazing, you know. That for kids, or young people, or light people, anybody really, because it takes away a lot of the recoil. The the sound is sound like a 22 going off. It's and they're not really heavy. The, you know, you can get a shorter barrel rifle, and it'll be the same length as most of your hunting rifles now. But that's if you ain't ain't looking at that, you need to check it out just to see. I don't know why it's so hard to even get one because it, it still sounds like a 22 going off. There's no, I mean, it's not like a, it's not a silencer it's like people like, think. So it's, it's a suppressor. Like, like, uh, it's like a yeah, it's not a James Bond stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> but but it's, it takes away the recoil. Some Kathy's, of them may be. You know, Kathy weighs about 107 pounds. I loaded some, hand loaded some 168 grain Barnes bullets and she keeps her head down, shoot it, don't be, just bear does kick and she loves it. So. So it's it's that's an amazing new new tool that we'll be using this year. So. That's I have a I just bought a forty five seventy for a hunt that I did in Mississippi. We're and, just talking about that. Yeah, we just that's talked so about funny. that. And that's my next one I want is a forty five seventy with a suppressor. Dude, so this one has like the I guess it's just like a muzzle brake mm -hmm. type thing. Well, that might, that helps a lot too. It was unreal. So I shot a deer with it, and um, well, I sighted it in first. I sighted it in the scope. I was like, man, that was. Not bad at all, because 4570, you're thinking like, it's, a chunk of lead. it's about to just oh, yeah. blow my arm off. No, man, it was it was easy. Yeah. I mean, shooting that deer when I shot that deer, it was like, felt like a 22. Yeah. Um, a muzzle brake is a big difference, too. It's just loud on the sides, you know, but yeah. that, that takes away a lot of recoil. So 
I wasn't a big fan of that until I shot one in Alaska that like had a 416 or something that had a muzzle brake on it and you, it was just minimum kick. So that's amazing the stuff they got landed again, another another advancement in the hunting stuff. So, so no, no, anything anything new for you, Jamie, that you're going to be doing? Oh, yeah. New? Oh, okay. My bow, <clears throat> my eyesight as I get older has got really bad. As far as my breeding, I, I bifocals at work now, I done got a, a transition lens on my glasses so I don't wear them all the time because my distance is fine but he talked me in he said well you lost a little bit on your distance but I've noticed over the years <clears throat> trying to shoot pins I don't know if it was bad back when I missed a big eight a shot low on him I said the sun had got through made my pins look big blurry run together I wasn't sure if it was like that back then so I went to a one pin I was like, man, now it's getting to where I can't see the side tape to move it, plus the trouble of when you finally get on these deer that's pre-rut time, they on a pace on these trails, mm -hmm. you can't range, adjust range. I got lucky and killed eight a couple years ago. So I was telling my brother, which has the archery shop, shoots all the ASA, big tournaments. He said they make a verifier, which is like a reading glass lens in your peep. So I just got that this past weekend. I think it's a six power, and I wanted to go back to fixed pins, and when I held it up, I said, man, I'm going to explain this to you. It looks like a candy cane, different colors, all the way down solid, just solid fiber optics. And another guy... That's what it looked like without... Without anything. Right, yeah, right. Just, so if you're pins right now, because I put it on my Facebook page today because it's, you know, it's a game changer for me to be able to do this now. So it come with a number six lens and he bought different lenses to keep in the shop for people coming in to shoot and try. Anyway, we left the six in. I go back there on the bags and man, when I draw it back, all the pins look like they used to. Everything's clear. I can see the target fine. We walk out, shoot the 3D, come back in. Man, I'm happy. I'm, I'm ready to go again. That's so, awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's huge. Oh yeah, that's big stuff. Cause that's that's when people start saying, oh, I think I might have to switch to a crossbow or switch to some other way to do it. If because yeah. you can't see your pins. You right. I had one guy that. make a comment that he had tried it, but his target was blurry. He needs to get with a dealer like what my brother done. Bought different magnification. He come in and try it because he said, Is your target blurry? I said, No, everything looks great. But he, he had them there to try different lenses, and. Uh, you probably had to check your regulations because I made a comment back to that guy. I said, well, you may get with a tournament shooter. They got what you call a clarifier, which is a lens in the peep sight, but they also got the magnification lens in their sights. Mm -hmm. So that clears up the magnification there, and it looks just like looking through a rifle scope. Even your target's clear. I mean, it's, I mean, you can see the quarter-inch size <laughs> circles out there at 50 yards, no problem with the the lens in, the, in their Sight, you can get it actually. Uh, I think a lens to go in a pin sight, just like the adjustable one pin, the micro adjustable, the tournament shooter shoot. So that's Dang. an option there to keep having to go to the crossbow. Yeah, yeah, <coughs> that's cool. Yeah, I had to redo my bow for the similar purposes. I was having problems shooting and grouping, so I just I was still shooting from the old school way of putting a vein in my mouth because I used to shoot fingers and stuff like that, so I changed up. Where I can go to my nose, and we, you got a Bomar nose button and stuff like that. And right now I'm fine. I can scare one at 40 anyway, so <laughs> a lot better than I was last year. I was I was struggling a little bit at 40 because of my like he said I need reading glasses and trying to focus on the the peep and the pen and the, and the animal or target. So it's, it's been rough, but right now I'm, that seems to be fine. So I might have to check Come out. Try my bow. Out. I might have to check out <laughs> magnified peep out just to. That sounds pretty Perceive. cool. So. I imagine there's probably a lot of people listening to this that just had a voila moment. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I've had several to comment back. All I mean, in just a, just a little bit on on a post at just what friends I had. So. Yeah. And that's a good thing about what we're doing is, as, as Jamie knows and I know, younger cats might know, but you start preparing early because you'll work work all this stuff out by hunting season, hopefully. So. Because it won't it, shoot here. They're already advertising tickets for the deer show, so you know what? Yeah. That, yep. So it's fixing to be deer season quick. So yeah. You well, know, you, I always say this to people because, like, um, you see on a, a lot of the social media stuff, people. I mean, people are switching 
they switch everything mm-hmm. in a in the summertime. Right. Like I know people who get a new bow, they'll get new climbing sticks, they'll get a new saddle, a different climbing system. You know, if they're doing one stick in or what, like they'll change everything about the way they hunt, and then wonder why everything falls apart. You know, on that first hunt in October, it's like, dude, you just changed everything about what you do. I think, like, doing kind of what you're doing, and and changing like couple small things that's how i've always done it too it's just change a couple small things and then i'm sure during the season we'll figure out things that we want to change again and in the off season but there's nothing worse than going up on that first hunt of the season and everything just kind of falling apart yeah or or if you're changing something change it and and be mindful of how much time you've got before season so you can at least get comfy with your new gear or your new process Mm -hmm. of doing things yeah, those processes are, to me, it's everything. Like, in my bag, if you look at my pack, of course, I'm filming every hunt with a camera arm and all that stuff. Um, so, like, everything goes into my bag in a certain order so that it can come out in a certain order. And if I change anything, if I change, like, the the type of camera arm that I'm using or if I change my fluid head or... If I move where my batteries are supposed to be at, like everything just like I might as well just get down out of the tree because I'm <laughs> freaking done that day. Uh, but I mean, I think people could could really do this do themselves from good by going out and practicing and having yeah. having a system for everything. But I, I ask you all these questions because I think it's going to be a pretty cool. Um, I didn't even talk to you, Luke. I'm sorry. But okay. I had an idea on my way here while I was in the Jack's drive-thru. Um, Jamie, you've had some jam-up seasons. Last season was not it. You struggled last season, right? Oh, well, I seen deer, just didn't see the deer. Yeah, and you killed a good one. By, by a lot of people's standards, you had a great season because you killed a good one. Right. But by your standards, I mean, it was tough. Mike, you had – a great season killed a state record buck so y'all are kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum going into this new season in that i want to know jamie what were the things that you figured out or did you figure out the things that you need to do different to kind of change that how last season was and mike i want to know what you're going to do different because how in the world are you going to talk <laughs> 196 inch buck. He long, said, long uh, shooting a 200. <laughs> you going to shoot yeah, a 200. Two, so, two, well, so, Jamie, what's something for you? I guess, I guess kind of explain the season because we haven't really talked about it. I just know it was a little bit tougher than normal. I hope I never see acorn crop like this ever that was, again. That was the big that thing. That was the biggest thing, and it stayed so green. It was yeah. Thanksgiving yeah. week, I think, for it lightened up enough you can actually see any distance. Mm-hmm. To me, I felt like that was to hold up on seeing a good deer for me. Uh, even the one I killed was luck. Like I said earlier, at back back in November got to hurting when I hit a stretch of vacation and I was still going to two and a half and I think one of the last trips I throwed the on X on it was three point five six miles in. Took an hour and something to get in there. How old are you? I'm 47. 47 years old. Yeah, 47. 47. I think. Oh, you are. A bunch of youngsters. How old are you, Mike? 57. The man. So 47. I mean, 47. You're not an old man. Still dragging. By any means. With help. Mike is. Mike's old. He's an old man. Uh, You're not an old man by any stretch. But, I mean, there's 20-year-olds that aren't going three and a half miles. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's a... And you're carrying a climber in there? Shoot. I'm carrying it in and out. (laughs) I I may change my mind at night or the next morning and not go back to the same area. And, uh, but it got to the point on one of the hunts, I told my wife, I said, I can't go back in there. I'm going to find some, go somewhere close. And I went to where I killed a nine point, my muzzleloader, I think the year before or two years before or something like that. And, uh, had an eight point walk with some, or, seven or eight point was something I, I know he wasn't good enough for me to concentrate on as long so i tried to video him a little bit when he walked behind the tree and uh, seen him and then i was seeing movement on top of the ridge and it was actually i'm sitting there looking at it it's like man 
she is staying right on the transition line of the thicker pines and the white oak. So she's just feeding right there and go back in. And then I noticed another one come up. And then the next one, when he come up, I noticed it was the buck I killed anyway. I got him, but it was I just had to change the whole complete plan for that weekend on that next to the last gun hunt on that side. And uh, it worked out. But it's... It's one of them hidden gems. So you think it was? You think it had everything to do with acorn crop? Acorn crop and so green. Oh, and it was so it was, green. There was so many wild oak stuff. They didn't have to move far. And it, no. it, it was like when I killed that big buck November fifth. If just another three steps, he's gone. It was so green. I just seen pieces of him. So and it stayed green for a while. But they, they were they was too. They were eating roasted acorns after they done the burn in January. So, <laughs> so there was plenty of acorns out there. So. We went on a youth turkey hunt and one of the kids picked up an anchor and popped it open and uh, that would be uh, last week of March, yeah. maybe 1st of April, uh, May, yeah. I think. I can't remember when they had a youth hunt out there. And that acorn looked good to me. Whether And, and I talked to a guy I worked with. He run a camera up in Tennessee. And they was wearing a red oak out up there on his place. Yeah. I've seen them eating acorns in February so, for sure. They, what's I mean, your what's your what's your go to strategy on those on those uh, heavy crop years like that? Like <laughs> I've never seen it this heavy. Yeah, that was whole so that you so you just it was kind of a shot in the dark mm -hmm. for you. Oh yeah, it was just were you did you move Keep grinding. to just move to hunting terrain or transition or like I was still trying to hunt stay the trails what i normally do mm -hmm. and uh and on the muzzleloader hunt i actually i seen and it was early season was it uh first of november yeah fifth when was, they had that fifth was the last day and i didn't sit and they i don't think i sat out of four days or five days in the same tree morning to evening i bounced around and i rattled a lot and i seen a lot of young bucks and some of them, I mean, I videoed a few that come straight to the tree, and I was like, man, this is nice. But then as the season went on and was over with, one of the places I hunt down off in the wilderness area, I was like, man, I seen two bucks that morning rattling, and I never went back in there. And, I, and there's been years I've been there and not seen any deer, and I was like, man, why didn't I go back and hunt during the rut? If that meaning was working through there early season when the rut kicked in, because I brought an eight out of there a couple of years ago, that I actually mounted and it's like, man, I think I messed up. I should have went back in there, but it is what it is. Hindsight. Yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I think it's a lot of thing. A lot of stuff people don't realize about hunting kind of big woods type stuff is how dependent you are on the acorn crop, whether it be, I mean, if it's too little, it's too little and it can, it can make it tough. If the, if the trees aren't producing, in spots where they normally do can make it tough and if they are overproducing i know where you're going with this and i and i want to talk about it um because i think and a lot of times if they're i guess it would be underproducing uh it makes it a little bit more predictable is right. that what you're yeah, you yeah. getting at yeah i scout in season i just don't stick to repetitive going to this area and hunting in this same tree every year I do to a sense, but I scout in, scout out, and if I'm running dry, I'll scout, uh, I'll change up. But over the last couple of years, I've really became a, a fan of a red oak. Yes. <laughs> if I can find a red oak, it was used to, I was like, man, both says I'm looking for these white oaks dropping. Mm -hmm. I'm scouting for white oaks, not paying no attention to red oaks. Now, in the last couple of years, give me a, a water where red oaks is dropping, I'm climbing there. Now, would that be early season? Is that when you're talking about, or just season long? As long as you can find red oaks that are dropping. But red oaks drop a little later, so right. and, lo and longer, so it's it's kind of stretched out. Because I know whenever I get into January, a lot of times post rut is when I start looking for red oaks more often. I'm just trying to see if there's a secret that you that I don't don't know about red oaks for. It was like the earlier time frame. Year before last, me and a buddy went back over in the area because we hunted one area, zero acres, just like the deer had left. And we was like, man. I said, well, I've been on the other side. Let's go in there and try on that early gun hunt. 
we're sliding through there and we hit a spot and we got to notice all this buck sign even with lights going in we was noticing deer and some pretty good rubs in the area and i was like man so and i'd picked this out scouting it like the year before i said let me see your phone i said hey, you can go down here and hunt this trail on a ride or you can go back up he said man this is you more familiar with you go down there so let me see your phone so i took his own x i said okay go climb right here well he's walking he's about to pick him a tree and he says a deer stands up he said man he was big oh gosh <laughs> so he bounces off well later that morning we meet back up and we go looking around right in there close to where he was at and man we went to the opposite side of the road and you could, i told him i said man you could literally look like you could take a five gallon bucket and start raking the red oaks up they had dropped nowhere else no white oaks no nothing but these red oaks were producing it was scrapes and rubs all in there. And uh, that evening, I think I had a buck come through chase, and I could hear him grunting. The next morning, he climbs where you could see the acorns like you could rake them up with a bucket. And he was in his saddle, climbed up, had a deer blow come across. He climbed down, went to the end of the, or a rolling ridge, climbed up again, heard him chasing down there, climbed down, go over to the next ridge, and he's sitting there. Anyway, he steps up deer standing there he gets to kill him really nice eight point but that's awesome do you think um so were there both red oak and white oaks no so do you think that um if you had both on the ground what's a white tail going to prefer as of right now i'm going to go check all the sign i can under the red oaks and i don't know if you ever noticed walking through this mountain there's white oaks everywhere yeah the red oaks is spotty very far between now yes they're, now they're kind of terrain specific and i it, to me that kind of i think the bucks i don't know if they got the taste for them or just because of where the terrain is where the red oaks are at that's why they do it but it's i kind of lean toward that if there's red oaks dropping with a combination of white oaks or whatever i'm leaning i'm looking to red oaks too so it's i, I wonder if it's uh but just to give you an example uh, i went on a hunt in north dakota early season last year um, buddy Jared Schaefer who works for Tethered uh, he's a heck of a deer hunter we were out there and it's corn and beans for miles I mean just corn and beans everywhere which is like gold right I mean like that excellent food source well Jared kind of starts thinking outside the box ends up going and setting up in this spot and where he can see a bunch of big huge cattails big tall cattails surrounding this marsh and this big giant 170 inch velvet buck pops out of that starts eating cattails he's got beans and corn all around him and he's not going into it because all of his security is coming from right there so he's just i think i'll just eat cattails mm -hmm. so I, I wonder if kind of what you're saying if there isn't something more to maybe not the preference of red oaks but the preference of red oaks with the terrain or the cover that they have in it yeah. Um, I'd be interested to know if that if that if there is an actual reason why they would prefer it taste wise or if it's some other compounding feature right. with the red yeah. oaks because I, I don't know I mean I, I know a lot of times when I go and find red oaks it's a little more cover higher stem count those white oak flats are usually just wide open yeah. a lot of time I really believe like a mature buck mostly will not go to a green field when there's other stuff to eat because of he was risking his life so yeah if there's, if there's acorns or browse whatever he's the only reason he'll go by greenfield is to check for those so and he probably ain't gonna step in it and be downwind of it or something so, so I'm, I'm leaning toward the you know the buck what if he's got enough to survive no matter what it is close to cover that's what he's eating so now are you still focusing on a lot of that stuff food sources and stuff during the rut are you moving strictly more to terrain and bluff gaps and stuff like that terrain and and does if i can if i know where the does are hanging or a good area where does like to hang and i used to hear it a lot from the older guys find the does you find the bucks and, and there's some times i've hunted and i was like man i've seen the does but i ain't seen a buck but the last couple of years i've hanged out I hanged out the stayed where the does is at and man them bucks I can, and I'm sure it's when she comes in, man, they start wiring it out through there. Are you finding, do you find in these big wood scenarios that the does kind of hang out in the same uh, spots throughout the season? Yes. 
So they're, early they're, season, they're, they're seem like they're homebodies. Yeah. yeah. Now, Buck, and, and I'm going to go back to where my old buddy Tony talked about doe groups, and I think it's not – not just our area, but everywhere. I think they know where old Susie over here, she stays a half a mile over. She comes in estrus at this time. Well, there's a doe that he's met up with that's five miles. You know, and we're learning now here in these, all these podcasts and research how much these bucks actually travel and during the rut. And I've I been a few I've shot. It's like my brother runs the archer shop and the guy come in and said, man, that big eight points your brother got. I had pictures of him over at such and such. I was like, man, it ain't no way. But now it's like, that's a good possibility. Yeah. And so. So I had a had a situation this year where uh, one of the bucks that I killed, um, he was hanging out with the same doe group that literally, I mean, you're talking about big woods, no crops, no nothing you know it's just big wood stuff with some clear cuts around it and this doe group i shot a doe out of that group in october and that same doe group come running the same exact at the same time same exact trail same everything and it was the same deer the same deer that had come with that first one and he was with them one of them had obviously come into into heat and he was you know hanging out with them and so I know from my personal experiences, I've seen that these does, a lot of times if you can find them in that October realm, if you can find a spot that's just eat up with does, man, remember it. Yeah. Remember it. I mean, you can go and just about sit in the same spots. A lot, in, in my experience, it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes you got to adjust a little bit, but. Um, yeah, you, might, you might have to make a slight adjustment, but generally they're, they're I got rod running cameras pretty much year round and It'd be the same does that come by that uh, camera or, or group of cameras every month of the year. They they'll come by there, so they I mean they don't they don't never leave. Yeah. They might adjust a little bit for the food, but they're in areas. So. Which does typically are going to be around food yeah. well, more than a buck's going to be because of them being isolated, right? Away from like there, doe. you're talking about during the rut. Like there's yes. there's still going to be kind of. Yeah. Concentrated around that food source. Which mm-hmm. the does will move a little bit with pressure too. It's, you know, oh they yeah, got their for sure. For, for pressure, sure. so that's something we didn't we we hadn't talked a lot about. I mean, in that too. I mean, like you start talking about from October, public land in October in Alabama is is, is interesting. We have a lot of hunting pressure in general, mm-hmm. but during the bow season, I don't know if you guys notice the same thing I do, but most of the time you pretty much have a lot of it yeah. to yourself uh zach Farinball from the hunting public when they came and hunted a wma in alabama they were like we were expecting all kinds of people there wasn't anybody here <laughs> we had the whole place to ourselves because it was not a gun hunt on that yeah. weekend yeah it was a big difference so and so you can you can figure a lot of that self stuff out but once you once those gun hunters start coming in there and you start getting uh people yeah. on Every drive, every pull in, yeah. that changes Usually the week before the gun, they'll be out there scouting, or they fly in, scouting, walking, whatever kind of. So when they start that, the, there'll be a slight change in where the does are, even the bucks. They'll move, they'll move a little better, adjust to the pressure. So you just have to be kind of be able to make a little slight adjustments. So. so Mike, what's uh, how how are you gonna, what are you gonna do do different? Is there anything you're gonna do different for this season? You already kind of. I mean, I've got one a different little area that that me and Kathy kind of found a specific buck or maybe two bucks to, that we're going to kind of target. So one of them, if if it works out, is a unique buck. You know, it might, I mean, who knows? Might work out, might not. But you never killed a unique buck. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. He's killed many. <laughs> He's killed he, several uniques. unique ones. But, but yeah, we've got a a little plan we're working on. So. We'll see. So. I feel like you're being secretive about it. You know, yeah, you, a little bit. You done talking about it? Yeah. <laughs> if you say too much, you might give yeah, away too much information. I'll give away too much information, but we'll see if it works out. You'll know. You'll know. I'll be grinning again. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll film you know, it. I kind of. I feel bad because last year, you know, I kind of talked about a little bit. I guess this one deer, you know, I think he's going to be 180 plus, and I'm, I've got this plan how I'm going to do it, and then. 
lot of crossbow for him and all that, and it, it worked out too perfect. It was the first time I go to, because I, wait, I waited to a certain time. I said, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait till I'm pretty sure I think he's going to be moving. It just worked out perfect, so I'm not going to say a whole lot this year because I, <laughs> I, I might not kill a dang thing, but I'm going to kill something with a longbow, though. Yeah, I got to do that. Luke's gonna yeah. cripple it, and you're gonna finish him off. I'll finish it off. That's <laughs> it. Hey, I'll shoot that thing in the butt. How about tactics wise? Are you doing anything to change? It? And so, it, you hear a bunch of old timers always say, or like really, maybe not even old timers, really successful hunters, really successful athletes, successful people in general say, never stop learning. You always, yeah. you always evolve. Um, Fifty-seven years old, so you're also hardly an old guy. But you're kind of getting up into that age where you, you, you've had good success and the stuff you've done has worked for you. I want to know if you're doing anything different this year, just tactic-wise. Don't talk, you don't have to talk about the area or the buck or anything like that, but things you might be changing up. Uh, probably not. And I might actually just back up a little bit because you, you, you get to hear so much stuff on this podcast now that, that kind of think, well, crap, I was doing that, you know. So yeah. I might just, you know, so – so not not a whole lot. It's it's gonna be similar. It's just I can't argue with what's happened, so it's hard. I wanna work on Kathy a little bit more just to but she's been close so yeah. you know, and um I want it to work out more for her this year so we might adjust that a little bit. So she's got the grit that comes oh, with it too. The, <laughs> we, 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 the hang in there. The stuff we've done and, and like Jamie was saying, token stand, I've told it my stand, which is most of the time I've told it API. Anybody knows the thing about API Grand Slam Magnum? It's not very light. Well, she's got a Summit SD light that's another 15, 16 pound. I've chained it or tie it to mine and my pack, and she's carrying her pack, and it's mile and a half, whatever. So we're doing whatever we can, and it's but sometimes it's rough, like Jamie said, <laughs> back be dragging about you know, December. So. But uh, man, I think it's just pride at this point that you hadn't got a saddle, <laughs> <laughs> and that might be. They're all that's interesting. It just, I just that's that's on the edge for me, my age. You know, I might screw up and do something stupid and be laying on the bottom. You know, I failed one time last year, just hiking in, and on one of them bluff faces, and it, when I hit the dang ground, it was like somebody body slammed me on some pavement, and I laid there for ten minutes thinking about it. You know, this my. I'm starting to get older on this stuff. I was, it hurt, boy. I knocked the wind out of me. I was like, dang. So, but you know, I could see me on one of them saddles do something stupid and do a swan dive out of about 12 foot because I'm not going high anyway. So, but uh. it's uh, it's funny. I uh, I took you know Kevin, my uncle. I took him out to a, a spot that is really a good spot that I've I've hunted for a long time now, and uh, we get out of the boat and. I'm trying to think. No, we're getting in the boat. We just finished hunting. We're getting in the boat. And I climb in there. I got all my stuff. You know, I'm wearing my little tree saddle diaper. And I toss it off. And he's up on the bank. And he hands me his climber. And I about, like, face planted when he handed it to me into the water. Because I was like, <laughs> it's so heavy. Um, and I was like, dude, you've got to change. So I think this year he, he told me, he's like, I'm thinking about getting into the saddle. It's, that would be uh, awesome if he was in the saddle. I'd love it, man. I, I like it when... When people uh, like you, like like I love talking people like you into doing something different. It make I feel like I should get a badge for it. You've been on me. You've been on me forever. So. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> one of these days. One of these uh, days. If I do it, there better not be a camera around anywhere. <laughs> you know we're gonna have a camera rolling. Yeah. How about yeah. you, Luke? You uh, you gonna do anything new, different? change up some of your tactics uh, or anything like that well i mean gear wise I, I i was telling mike you know I, I really do want to try to kill one with a longbow i've killed multiple deer with a recurve but i've never killed one with a longbow and uh, so that's going to be a goal i actually did switch from a saddle to the i got the 1.0 custom gear really yep yep and uh, i'll be getting the double sticks here soon uh, i'm excited to try that and you know, it was pretty cool because I went from climber, you know, I've hunted lock-ons, ladders, all that stuff. Um, and the uh, the climbers, I was using that before the saddle. Um, and then I just, I kind of, you know, pros and cons to both. I'm not steering anybody any any sort of way. I just, I feel like the, the 1.0 is going to be 
something that that's going to work for me. I'm excited to try it. But tactics-wise, uh, I'll say it over and over and over. Being with Michael and um, you know being on podcasts with you, I am in a season where I am a sponge. It's just soaking up as much information as I can when it comes to being successful on um, on how to locate bucks, how to hunt public land. Because I've hunted private, I've, I've hunted private more than I have public, but I've hunted public for a few years, but I haven't just head first into public like I have private. And so I'm, I'm really in a season now where I've already been scouting. Uh, postseason scouting was super big on, on my agenda, you know, you know, after deer season, March, April, now, and really until deer season, uh, along with, you know, prepping stuff on private land too. But um, just tactics that I've learned, whether that be uh, figuring out how to locate bedding, you know, figuring out, um, you know, how to run trail cameras on, the, you know, where you'll hear X marks a spot on how a bunch of different fingers come into one spot, bluff gaps, how to locate saddles and, and all of that stuff that I really had no idea was just humongous factors, you know, figuring out food sources and all sorts of stuff. I mean, the list goes on and on. But to where I can look at a map and I can go to the spot and be able to go, this, this, and this, and this are here, and these things line up, I think there are deer in this area, and go look at that area and see sign in that area, it's all kind of piecing together in my brain. So that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, you just you're in a like a growth, a heavy growth year. Yeah, probably yeah, for heavy sure. challenge. Yeah, more, more so. Yeah, more so on public land side of things. Um, and I'm excited. Yeah, because I feel like that's going to make me a better hunter all around. So. You're like the most like you're probably one of the most coveted people right now. In the state of Alabama, people who listen to this, you're like, I got Michael teaching me everything. I'm just hanging out with Michael. I'm on his, I'm on his side, and we're just walking into the woods. He's showing me everything. You know how many people would kill to have that? Well, they got to do the blood covenant and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> sworn to secrecy. Yeah, the bloodletting. <laughs> yeah. But we did that. And mount all, mount all of his animals and skin all of his deer and all that stuff. So, yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited, though. It's awesome, and that's what they can, you know, wa- they can watch the channel too, and, and try to learn. That's what I was about to oh. say. They can watch the channel. They can be a part of it. But I'm excited. Like like I said earlier, I, I've known Mike since I was a kid, and so I've got to give respect where it's due. Especially you know, being around Mike, being able to know Jamie and a ton of other guys that are just super super mm-hmm. successful when it comes to killing. Really, really good deer. Good deer, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah learn to listen to yep. like when Jamie speaks or Tony Myers speaks, people like that, Wes Moyd. You know, listen. Because yeah, anything, I mean, it could be the slightest thing. It can, they can say that you're like, well, ah, I'm not. You know, and, and learn it and put it together. So Yeah, I'm not but My biggest fear is what the state does. Is, you know, hopefully there's not going to be some. Oh, something you know, crazy happening. Yeah, because yeah. We don't, but the CWD stuff, I don't. I don't. It might not be too bad right now, but it's it's still something. I know they got, you know, they're playing whatever it is. They're going, mm-hmm. they might implement something that might be a little bit different, but we'll just have to wait and see. So. Yeah, and, and what you said, what you're talking about, Luke, and what kind of what you echoed to Mike, like I think about a lot of things that I hear just talking to different people like y'all. Um, and they, it may not even be, it may be something you kind of say just under your breath. Something like the, the red oak thing. That's going to change somebody the way they hunt. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to listen to it and it's yep. going to change the way that they hunt. And we didn't really even spend a whole lot of time talking about it, but that's going to impact. And, and if you do that enough, people will be surprised at what, how much they can learn on things that are just kind of breeze paths. Um, so much to where, uh, you know this, Mike, one of my main things that I'm consistently trying to do. Like this isn't just this season, but I want to get better at early season hunting. I told you, I told you that yeah. last summer. 
Yeah, I was like, because I'm trying to think of what actually you said. You're like, I, it's hard to – people aren't doing it in the early season. They're not killing good bucks in the uh, early season. Oh, there's people that are, but it, it is. From what trail camera and stuff I run, like even the deer I killed last year, that sucker, in the daylight, there's only just a couple times. Yeah. And it's that's a hard thing to do, especially on public land because – Cause you don't know, you can't control horse riders, hikers, squirrel hunters, all that. Cause they don't, they get a little bit of, or wind in there. Up, I'm smelling some humans. So I'm going. <laughs> daylight's tough on them guys. So mm-hmm. it's a hard thing to do consistently to me. I mean, I mean, most of the time, most of the bucks I kills, I don't know about Jamie, it was from after Halloween to first week of December. You know, so the majority of them. I kill one every now and then earlier, but most of the time, so no, it's a tough thing. So, the people that can target a specific buck and hit him early. That's right. My hat's off. That's a hard thing to do. But I don't know but, if I'll ever I mean, be able to do I that. I try it every year. You know, kind of. I always, you know, me and Kathy will find them, some outlier bucks that's on the edges of our ears or, or different spots, whatever we find early. And you very rarely. I missed one crap opening day a couple of years ago. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. It shocked me. And that was the third deer I seen. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I also tore up. I missed him at 30 yards with the bow. So opening day. But. It's, uh, it can be done, but it's it's tough. But I think I think the reason why I like that and I like that idea of doing that is because I know it's going to take a long time to do it. I mean to to be able to get consistent at it, mm-hmm. and so it keeps you in a learning right. in a learning groove and a learning phase. Yeah. You don't ever get out of it, really. I mean, when you do something like that, big woods, southern early season deer, no, very possible to do in states like Kentucky, Illinois, Indiana, a lot of these ag Midwestern type states, 100% doable, Mm -hmm. way easier than what we have here. And probably, you know, what we have here can be comparable with some of the stuff up in PA, um, that big woods stuff around, what is it, Allegheny National Forest, Mm -hmm. those kind of places. I think they're going to hunt real similar. And I always see people in those places like you hardly ever see early season bucks dying up in Pennsylvania. You don't see them a lot here. Sometimes you have little, you know, one-off kind of luck things. But every now and then, yeah. Yeah, it it happened. I shot biggest public land deer I've ever killed. I killed him October the twenty-third, I think. So it was an early season deer. It was early. And uh, but I loved it. I loved every minute of the way that felt. Like man. It felt like I did something that not a lot of people get to do, and so I think for me it keeps me into that like chasing chasing something, you know. Mm-hmm. And I might be sixty-seven years old before I can be like, well, yeah, I learned how to kill them in the early season, you know. Yeah. Uh, but by golly, it'll be—I'll be sixty-seven years old by the time I learn that. So I think it's good, though. I think it's good for people to. To hear what you guys are dealing with, what you're struggling with, I always come back to a podcast we did with the two of you guys and Wes at the taxidermy shop. Um, Y'all said something I thought was pretty good when we asked the question, how many opportunities are you getting every year on bucks, on mature deer? Like, Mm -hmm. opportunity. That doesn't mean you always kill them, but how many opportunities are you getting on mature deer? And I think probably the average answer was like two or three in that yeah mine was less than that yeah yeah, yeah. one <laughs> you know around if you ever i guess if i averaged out for the whole lot of time i've been hunting you know one maybe a year so. so what so what would be an encouragement to somebody that hears that is the encouragement to somebody that hears that hey stay in the woods <clears throat> as much as you can would it be to pinpoint doe groups to up your chances, like what? Well, what would that, you? Well, that depends on what time of season, really. But to me, if you can kill one mature buck on public land a year, crap. I mean, I don't know if everybody does that. Not everybody don't do that. It's a pretty I top mean, percentage, crap, I think. That's a, that's a. If you can kill one mature in a year, you're doing something. You know, to me. You know, if you can see one, is you know pretty good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Go James. If you kill two or three, yeah, that's a, that's that's amazing, really. So. What's your, just for people who don't know, what's your uh, what's your mature mature buck qualification? Oh, I might go with three and a half and older. So. Three and a half older. So. How about you, Jamie? Uh, I don't know. 
big. Something small, <laughs> 180s plus. Uh, my standards may be higher than the next guy. I would say all depends on the size. I mean. You're not necessarily age over. No, because I let one, I videoed it and showed it to the biologist. And he's like, man, why don't you shoot that deer? He's six and a half year old. Not what I was looking Didn't for. Didn't you let, you let that yes, deer walk, didn't him. you? <laughs> Is that the one you're yeah. talking about? And, you know, it just wasn't what I was looking for at the time. I shot him. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Jamie. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know how you passed that, sir. That thing like a tank when I seen him walk up. Oh, he had a neck and a half and a big body. It was just... They all Man, can't, it, we all can't it, be 150s. But you were on the banner season that year, weren't you? Last That was two seasons ago, and you had a heck of a year. Yeah. And you weren't, right? Wasn't that? That was a year that you. I killed, uh, I killed that one and that one right there. Both of them were six and a half year old, but they're just not monster racks. Yeah. But they're good deer. So, yeah. So. No, I've come off of that really good season. That was the following year, and I think it was like the – real early in the season and man i had all kind of action that weekend and I, and I, I killed the nine i just got him back i killed a nine point that weekend also but yeah it worked out yeah it worked out in your favor oh yeah worked out for both of y'all yeah that's uh that's awesome i just think and that I, was that was another thing that you're talking about how far they travel because you said it's about four miles away that's straight line on onyx where i think where he's at over there yeah, he's not and that's not, <laughs> that's not, you know, through the woods or nothing. That's pop a line on it and go straight a over. There's yeah. a crow fly, three, three and a half miles. And you said it was early season? Yeah, that was first week of December, I think, when Michael got him. And then yeah, I killed him, I I killed him December 4th, yeah. Like November the 19th, 18th, 19th, something like that. Okay. Man, that's crazy. You think about those. And I passed up three more before, and that's not. I passed up three bucks. I won a pretty nice eight point. Uh, two and I told him I said, "Keep your eyes out. It might be another one lurking that way." <laughs> so yeah, that day we seen. We, shoot, man, cats in a bunch of deer that day. It was one of them crazy windy, stormy days, and deer run everywhere. It was. Uh, you know, the following year he wasn't on camera, which I know he was dead. But it was one I, I'd let go that same weekend. And I was over here at Cedar Ridge, where I took a deer to this mm -hmm. year. And uh, I walked in, I, where he's got like displays, and I looked at the deer for a minute, and I went on in, because he's got a split. He ain't really a G2, well it is, but it's split. And then he's got something crazy else he does. And, I look, and anyway, I went on, and when I was leaving that night, he says, oh yeah, I got a buddy that killed that up in Bankhead last year with his bow. I said, hold on. I said, all right, that's fine. I didn't see him anymore. <laughs> and he wasn't on camera. Wow. He was dead. Oh, man, guys, I can't wait. Y'all ever, do y'all hit that point where it's just like. Oh, I made it right now. Man. He just. Yeah, I've been. Jacked. I just got out of Turkey, so I, I've been recovering. But I think I hit it this week where I was, like, I'm still, still reminiscing on turkey season. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but. I kind of hit that point this year where I'm like, okay, let's do it. I got a new bow, so the new bow came in the mail. I'm that not gonna. Sweet. It's a it's a sweet bow. Uh, it's a bow tech. We're gonna talk about that in a future episode. Um, waiting on a sight for it, and I'll be shooting it. Be shooting those hundred plus dollar broadheads. No, all that good stuff. <laughs> I don't shoot expensive broadheads. Not that expensive. They're kind of expensive, but they're I mean, not that expensive. I wouldn't either. Yeah, I, I can't afford that. But um, uh, the, the arrows themselves are pretty expensive. Just you, when you consider broadheads, knocks, um, all the stuff that you need an arrow, like we talked about, it's just, it is expensive. But I've got all that stuff um, in the mail, I'm and it's getting me fired up. I can't wait. Put the shotgun away and... Yep. I'm ready to roll. Cool. Gonna be good. Gonna be great. Well, guys, appreciate y'all. Appreciate you opening up your house and Very well. letting, uh, letting us eat dinner over here. Y'all pull. Y'all like halibut? 
Halibut is good. Man, that halibut was good. I learned tonight that Chicken. I like halibut. Kathy. Texture like chicken. Yeah, yeah. It Kathy's tasted the best. just like, yeah, yeah, texture was. It was. It was like. It was like Stonebridge chicken. Yeah. People don't know what that, maybe you don't know what that is, the restaurant here in Alabama, but yeah, like texture, and that's the best chicken ever. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's wrap this thing up. All right, guys, thanks. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. As always, a big shout out to all of our partners. That's Go Wild, Spartan Forge, Tethered, New Canoe, and Scree Gear. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. And make sure you check out southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, hats, t-shirts, stickers, stuff like that. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember this, God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.